Welcome to Homestead Story. We're Peter and Kristen. Join us as we share a new but old kind of family life. Hello, everyone. This is Peter and Kristen coming to you from our Maryland homestead. Hello, everyone. We hope that you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, we had a great Thanksgiving. Um, well, one thing that I wanted to, to share, because we kind of share what's kind of going on on the homestead, I, well, first I have a confession to make. I have a fear of our cows. Yes. <laughs> and when we got the cows, I wasn't afraid of them at all. I had no, no concern with them. I would just walk out to the cows, walk into their stall. I had no concern with them. But then over time, I started to see more what they were capable of. And over time, I started to have a fear of the cows. So I had a couple incidences. I shared one where I tried to spray the cow with vinegar to keep flies away. And then she nearly kicked me in the face. Like yeah. the, her hoof was like a, I, I told the story, the hoof was like an inch from my face. That feet. was the only time she's ever kicked. Yeah. So I, I will never try to spray her with vinegar right. again. Right. But our meat cow that's in the freezer now was half Angus. And, and Angus can be much more rowdy of a breed. They're more wild. And so that cow was could be pretty mean. So I would see Pete kind of out in the pasture trying to get the cows in. And I, I saw what they were capable of. And there were things where I was like, what would I do if the cow was charging at me like that? I mean, you're not scared of them. You just kind of yell at them and you just, but when I would see you do that, I kind of started to have a fear develop of the cows. Yeah. But I think it's also a healthy respect of them. A healthy respect. And so even the dairy cow, her cycle is every 23 days and just so happens that once a month, just about, she gets really upset and you just got to be very careful around her. She's mooing like crazy and she can just kind of whip her head around really fast. You got you to gotta be careful. That's just her cycle right, right. when she's not pregnant. But. Right. And well, the farmer who sold her to us also, we should have had this warning. We didn't really know enough about cows to take this as a warning, but dairy cows come with come with dairy cows have horns yeah most dairy breeds have horns both the male and female right and that's just a common thing and most people are against dehorning the cows and when he sold us a cow he said yeah we had to take her horns off because she was using them to bully to beat up the other cows in the herd because she came from a bigger herd right so if they pull the cow when it's little like right after it's born that means take the horns off then it looks like the cow doesn't have horns she had a full set of horns and then they cut them off. So she has these two big nubs. Right. And so we were like, oh, okay. We didn't think anything about it. Yeah, like, like, wait, this cow's beating up all the other cows? <laughs> wait, hold on a second. Like, we didn't take that as a warning. We didn't know enough about cows to know that that should be a warning. So she can be kind of, she. I mean, you don't really mess with her. She's not like... We yeah, didn't, we have this book of cow facts and cow stories and they have pictures in there of like a three-year-old riding a cow and you know some woman with her child out in the middle of a field milking the cow right <laughs> like, so our first cow we're starting to realize you know what happened if we put a child on top of our cow she, go crazy yeah well i was actually talking to peaks we had a friend who lived in germany and she told us about how they would dress up the, they dress up the dairy cows and they have this parade down the mountain and i was like wait a second pete can you picture us dressing up Carmela and parading her anywhere? Like she yeah, would go no, crazy. Would. So we're realizing, wow, our first cow we that we took on knowing nothing about cows, we think we got a 
just a more fiery. Yeah, kind of rambunctious. So long story short, Kristen is a little nervous to be around the cow. Yeah, so, and she has this adorable calf, and I really want to get to know the the calf too. So I want to become more confident around cows. So I've decided every day I go out with apples, and every day I'm slowly, because I don't know, I just all, all of a sudden got a lot of anxiety about them, but I'm trying to conquer it. So the more I stay away from them, the more I'm going to be afraid of them. So I'm going out every day with the cows. So yeah. it's been really nice. And the baby, the calf has been very skittish and very scared. And now he's coming to me and he's, it's just, I don't know. I think it's working. I think it's going well. It is. And I think, I mean, we made it sound a little extreme. She's, she's still really easy to be around a lot of the times. You just need to be aware. She's 1200 pounds and you always have to be looking at her and anticipating what she might do. You can't turn your back to her and kind of just sit down. Well, I'm not super athletic. I mean, I'm athletic. I'm a, I'm a runner and everything, or I was a runner. But uh, Pete was like, you have to kind of put your weight on your back leg. So if she moves her head up fast, she can't knock you over. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I'm not naturally athletic. So. Yeah. Although yesterday she did get a little mad at me. Yeah, she did. She, I, was, I was standing in front of a gate, and apparently it's the gate where Pete can bribes her sometimes with grain or something. Yeah, she'll come through there sometimes and get a little bit of grain and get some hay in the evening, and 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 she thought Kristen was going to do that or something. And I was just staying there, <laughs> and I was kind of like just petting the calf, and all of a sudden she just pushed me really yeah. hard. <laughs> yeah. So maybe one day we'll have our, our own dairy cow that we raised from birth, and it'll be this, you know, quiet, loving, docile thing. But yeah. But I think it's I kind of like her too, so I don't know if I, you know, I'm in no hurry to she's move got, on. She's got personality, and it also makes her a great mom. She is, some cows are not the best moms. She is a great, confident, strong, she's a strong, confident woman, you know? Yeah, you don't mess is. with her. Yep. So <laughs> that's our cow. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. Um, okay, so also we're coming into December, which is Advent. Advent. We love Advent. That's the Catholic season. Well, a lot of Christians too. Before uh, Christmas. I think a lot of Christians celebrate Advent. And what Advent is, is a time where, so with our kids, we kind of go back to all the stories of the Old Testament that are leading up to this coming of the Savior. So all the stories of the Old Testament are, um, you know, as Catholics, we believe that they are pointing us to the the coming of this Savior. And you learn all about the, the different people in the line of Jesus, in the line that he came from, and all their stories. And and just this this need that these people had. It reminds us of our need for a savior, and we look at their need for a savior and all that, um, you know, Jesus's people and his line went through. And right. it's just it's just a great way to prepare for the coming of the savior. And well, yeah, prepare is key. And I think that we understand here in modern culture that it's easy to go from one celebration to the next, one special moment to the next special moment to the next special moment, and it's a more of a satisfying celebration when there's a time of preparation ahead of time. So Advent is the season of preparation before the great celebration of Christmas, which is the birth of Christ. So we're going to be preparing. And that means looking back at the Old Testament prophecies that talked about Jesus Mm -hmm. and trying to prepare our hearts and our minds and having this this season of anticipation and right. we'll, we'll put Christmas lights up and everybody in the neighborhood will start to do that and start to become very festive. And we know that this great holiday is coming. Right. And, and it's a time for us to also reflect on our need for a savior, our need for this, for the savior as we, ref, you know, as we look at the prophets and the stories of old and everything. Right. And it's neat because the, the Catholic church, we celebrate things 
in seasons. So I think in our in the American culture, we kind of are celebrating and feasting all the time. And people are starting to kind of understand fasting is kind of becoming trendy. But the Catholic Church has always, we live in these seasons of before big celebrations and big feasts, we have a time of fasting. So Advent can be also be a time of fasting. And then you come into Christmas, which is a time of feasting and celebration. Or Lent is a time of fasting and focusing on our, our sins and our need for redemption. And then Easter is a time of celebration and feasting. And The holidays, which is mm-hmm. Holy Day, the Holy Days, the great holidays. So we're preparing for the holiday. Right, right. So Advent's exciting. It's exciting for the kids and, and for us. Um, yeah, so Advent lends itself really well to children's things. Right. You can have little Advent calendars where we you know, pull out a little thing and read it every day, and it has some part of the story or scripture in it. Right. So, but we love doing the Jesse tree. So the Jesse tree is going through the line of Jesus, his, his ancestors and his line and all those stories. And you start to see, wow, like these are all foreshadowing the coming of the Messiah. Right. It's really right. cool. And we think about leading up to the moment when Christ was born, that there was thousands of years of preparation and mm-hmm. that people were looking forward to the Messiah. And so we enter into that for uh, four weeks ahead of Christmas. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, that season of preparation that lasted for many, many years. Yeah, it's really special. So coming into a special time. Yes. So today we wanted to share a little bit about the prayer aspect of homesteading for us. For Peter and I, really everything that we do, all the inspirations that we have, all the way that we're living our life, it it flows out of prayer first. So we can't really just share our life and share our and share homesteading without the faith aspect. That's why we, we call this chickens, cows, kids, and Catholics. We didn't want to trick anyone. And if you're listening to us, you're listening to a Catholic podcast. And today we wanted to talk about some aspects of prayer that are really important to us and key to how we start our day and, and how we live our life. And it might seem a little random, especially if you're listening to us for how-to information. It might seem like, okay, you're talking about rotational grazing and raising chickens and gardening. And now we're talking about prayer, but that's just we can only be who we are. <laughs> yeah, we can only be who we are. We did a whole episode on prayer earlier. This is going to be more about Catholic forms of prayer. And I think a lot of people will find this interesting, even if you're not Catholic. So we're not trying to force anyone to say the rosary or to be Catholic. But when we talk about things, a lot of what people believe about Catholics that they disagree with, it's because they don't actually know what Catholics are. <laughs> They're disagreeing with things that Catholics don't believe either. So we're going to say a little bit about who we are as a Catholic family. Right. Today, actually, so there's so many different forms of prayer. There's so many different ways that we pray as a family. But today we just want to focus on the rosary because the rosary is a huge part of uh, so much of what we do comes out of the rosary, I really think, praying the rosary. Right. And traditionally, that's a Catholic prayer, although you don't have to be Catholic to say the rosary at all. Right. And a lot of people really, really enjoy it. There's a lot of benefit that we get out of it. I remember there was a boy in my school, in high school, and he was really into his faith and he was a really cool guy, um, but he wanted to argue with me a lot because he was Protestant and I was Catholic and he wanted to try and, you know, you know, argue with me about what, and debate with me about my faith. And I didn't know the answer <laughs> to half of the stuff he said, but I remember one time he said, why would you say Hail Mary full of grace? That's how, that's how the Hail Mary goes. And he's like, that's what they said to Hitler. They said, Hail Hitler. I was like, whoa, wow. whoa. First off, Mary came, you know, a couple thousand years before Hitler and Hail was the greeting that the angel Gabriel gave to her. 
uh, when, right. when he met her at the Annunciation and the angel Gabriel came to Mary to announce that, that Jesus would be born through her. And he said, Hail Mary, full of grace. That's the, the translation that, that the Catholic Bibles have used traditionally, Hail Mary, full of grace. So mm-hmm. anyway, it was like, it has nothing to do with Hitler. That's just a, wow. a traditional Catholic prayer. But wow. we're going to talk about the rest of it here. And Right. So, and I think even if you are not Catholic or Christian, and maybe you're just not into the rosary, I think it's just still good to just be educated on how other people live and what's important to other people and just to to educate yourself. So we are just going to share it today. And for some people, I think they might have, when they hear our podcast, they might have a prompting like, oh, I do want to pray the rosary. And other people might think, huh, that's neat that they're not, you know, doing something evil. (laughs) So... From a Catholic point of view, we believe that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. That's the uh, verbiage that's used in Hebrews 12, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And that people who are in heaven, that there's a very thin veil between us and them. Mm -hmm. And that we don't worship them or believe that they have the power to give us salvation or anything like that. All power comes from God. But that there's a very thin veil between us and them. And that people who are in heaven, that we can be communicating with them. Right. Well, Catholics really believe that the church is a big family. And, you know, that family doesn't just... And like you are more alive in heaven. Those in, those who are in heaven are closer to God. They are more alive, and they are very much aware of what is going on with us here on earth. And right, and, whatever we are now on this side of eternity, we become more fully that when we get to heaven, and we know a lot more, and we can see a lot more clearly. Right, and those in heaven are just rooting for us. They want us to get to heaven, and they are praying for us. And. Right you know, we're still family, even if they are in heaven. Right. Our loved ones that went before us. That's why there's an element of joy when someone wholly dies is that you feel like they're moving into something that's even better for them. And we're still close to them. And that love that we have for them and they have for us carries on into the next world. Right. Right. And we even see in the gospels, um, soon before Jesus was crucified, he was seen praying with Moses and Elijah at the transfiguration. And, and those in heaven are just, they're very, they're a lot closer than we think. The angels are, the angels and the saints are just a lot closer to us than we, even though we can't see them, we do believe that they are praying for us and they're with us. Right. So Christians all across the globe, all throughout history have always thought it was a good idea to pray for each other. Mm -hmm. Like Jesus is very clear about that, that we pray for each other. And that goes back to that idea that we're all family. Like Mm -hmm. this is all one big family. And when someone in your family needs help, you help them and you help them physically and you help them with your money or with your time, with your gifts, whatever you have. But we also pray for them because we believe that all good things come from God. And so that asking God is the source of all good things to help each other, that that's a really beneficial thing. So if you spend time around Christians, you realize that we do a lot of praying for each other. And then as Catholics, we believe that the members of our worldwide Christian family that are in heaven also pray for us. And so we can ask for their prayers. And the saints, the Catholic saints, are the great heroes of our faith that have gone before us. And we're asking for their prayers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the scriptures talk about the prayer of a just person being really powerful. And imagine how much more powerful the prayers are of those who are in heaven who don't have sin, who are face-to-face with Jesus, I mean, their prayers are just really powerful. So why wouldn't we 
tap into that. <laughs> right, right. So Catholics have traditionally then asked for Mary and the other saints to pray for us, pray mm-hmm. for us individually and as a church and for whatever reason we can think of. Now, that was not something I did early on in my faith. Even though I was Catholic, we didn't pray the rosary in my house growing up. My parents do it now, but we I just wasn't very accustomed to that. And the idea of it made me kind of uncomfortable. I didn't understand it. It seemed weird to me. I didn't know what was happening there. And so I didn't really pray that. But because I was in all these Catholic circles, it became, it was like in my face all the time. And so I would get kind of curious about it or wonder what was happening. Eventually one morning I said, Mary, if you want me to pray the rosary, then send me one. Because I I think I'd been given a rosary probably my first communion and then lost it. I hadn't had one for 10 plus years. And so I said, Mary, if if you want me to pray the rosary, send me a rosary. And then I went about my day and I came back from work that day and I went into my room and there was a rosary on my pillow. I was like, what in the world? Like I hadn't told anyone about that. Nobody knew. And Kristen was babysitting uh, this girl who had a rosary and said, it's a blue rosary. This, this should be a boy's rosary. And can you give it to Pete? And so she had left it in my room when I was out at work that day. And I just, I couldn't believe it because I didn't tell anybody that. And so for the first time, it kind of just opened my eyes that Mary cared about me, Mm -hmm. that there was this person in heaven and she cared about me enough to, when I said, if you want me to do this, that, you know, she heard me. Right. And so it's not just this pray for me. It's not just this pray for me and then we're done. It's this communion of saints. We are a family and there is that deep love. And, and I think when you start to realize that Mary is a mother and she loves us like a mother, that's when it's like, oh my gosh, it's like really life changing. And I feel like with just so much division between Protestants and Catholics, and at least in our country and in America, there can be a lot of just, uh, just not hatred towards Mary, but not this warm motherly child love to Mary that I believe that we are all, it's available to all of us. I love Revelations 12, and it describes Mary and Jesus, and they talk about this woman, and they say that all of us are her offspring who love God and keep his commands. Right. That she's our mother. Mm -hmm. Just knowing that is just so comforting. Right. So so Revelations 12 talks about that. She's the mother of all Christians. And when Jesus at his death gives his mother to John, he says, son, behold your mother, mother, behold your son, that that was the way that Jesus gave her as mother to the whole church, not just John. Mm -hmm. So long story short, there's a bunch of theology behind all that. We're not going to get into it all and scriptural references and all of that. But as Catholics, we believe that we have a mother of this uh, Christian family that includes all of us and she's in heaven. Well, I have a, a real quick like personal testimony of just how Mary really revealed her motherly love to me. And then we'll kind of get into how to pray the rosary and what is it and why it's so good for us. And so I was actually, we have, we prayed the rosary a lot early on and then we kind of got out of it with having lots of children because when you have lots of kids, you can, in the beginning, you feel like you can barely have time to brush your teeth. So how are you going to pray at rosary for 25 minutes? But so we kind of fell out of it, but then we started to get back into it. And when we got back into it, uh, kind of more in the past few months, we kind of ran out of rosaries. We just didn't have a lot of rosaries around. And we well, felt, because we lose we everything. Lose. So one thing to know about Peter <laughs> and I, we have a lot of gifts, but we also have a lot of weaknesses. And one of our weaknesses is we are just 
terrible about losing things. Yeah. We are awful. And we can't even really, we feel bad disciplining our kids for losing stuff because we're so bad too. Right. I think so, we were okay at it. No, we were pretty bad at it. You know, four been, kids. Always been bad at it. And so, now we have four kids. So when Pete goes to do a project, there's always a tool that we lost. I always am losing earrings and jewelry and socks. It's like, where do these things go? We don't, we just, it is our weakness in life. And one of those things we always vow that we're going to get better at. It's always our like Lenten thing or our new year's resolution. We're going to not lose stuff. We're going to put it back where it belongs. And then we're just, you know, there's just certain things that you just have, we're humbled. (laughs) We're just bad about it. We lose stuff. So that's just both of us. (laughs) And that is our weakness that we're always working on. So anyway, we started to get back into a daily rosary and, but we're praying it on our fingers, but we're kind of like, yeah, (laughs) we had two, we were down to two rosaries. We had kind of just, we started out our marriage and family life with a ton of rosaries. And then we're literally down to two. And so I wanted to kind of, you know, I remembered Pete's testimony from when we were dating where he asked Mary for a rosary. And so I was like, I'm getting back into the rosary every day. Mary, send me a rosary. We're down to two and I can never find them in the morning because I either left it in the car or I left it upstairs or I left it downstairs. So anyway, I started asking for a rosary and I just wasn't getting a rosary for like a few weeks. Just no rosary was coming. And I have so much faith when I pray. So I have all these cool little stories like that, but I was just not getting a rosary. Right. And so... I went to mass at this Franciscan friary, this where we hang out a lot, and they have this tiny little shop where you can buy some like prayer tools or books, you know, a little bookshop, and they had some rosaries there. And I was like, you know, Mary's not sending me a rosary. I only have two. We can never find them. Um, I'm just going to buy a few rosaries. And then I went to go and buy the rosary, and I just felt like, no, you need to stop being this materialistic person who just buys stuff. You need to. You need to just use your two rosaries and you need to put them back. Like I'm kind of lecturing myself, like don't be wasteful, put your rosaries in the drawer when you're done with them and don't buy any until you can take care of the two that you have. And that's a good, I'm not, that's not even a bad. Yeah, uh, that's a good thing. Yeah, it's a good thing to try to take care of what you have. So I kind of vowed I'm going to take care of what I have. I'm not going to lose it and I'm not going to buy any other rosaries. I can, I can use these too. So I get home, and right when I get home, there is a box that had come in the mail. And I open up the box, and I'm not joking you, there were 35 rosaries in it that somebody had <laughs> sent me. And I was just like, what? And the person who sent it, it was just a really funny, they didn't even know. I mean, no, we don't tell people that we're praying these prayers or that we're waiting for a rosary. This person, it was just so random. They were left over from a decoration thing, and they... Uh, didn't want to throw them away. So they sent them to us. So I had 35 rosaries. And in that moment, it was again, it was like, I have a good mother. I have a mother who knows my weaknesses and who knows that no matter how hard I try, it's probably going to take me a while to stop losing stuff. So she sent me 35 rosaries that she doesn't. And that's what I love about, um, about God and and the blessed mother as well. They don't wait for us to be perfect. They don't wait for us. We think I'm going to get it together and then I'm going, and then God will take care of me and then I'll be good enough. But they're like, no, we see your weaknesses and we love you anyway. And we're going to take care of you anyway. And so it was just this mother who's like, I got you. I know you lose stuff. Here's 35. We put them in every room. So any, anywhere that we want to pray it in the car, in the drawers, upstairs, downstairs, we have 35 rosaries now and we never lose them. And it's, they're, they're everywhere. (laughs) And it's just, it, it was just such, so faith building to know that, yeah, she didn't just send me one. She sent me 35, and that's what I needed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So so I think that's when you're praying the rosary, you have to first know that you have a good mother who loves you right? and who wants you to get to heaven and who wants you to have 
the grace that God wants to give you. Right. So, right. so we'll just start from there and then, okay, what is the rosary? So we're going to do a quick, basic run through of how you pray the rosary. I know a lot of Catholics that listen to us will already know this, but we are so surprised and honored as, at how many non-Catholics listen to us. So we kind of want to just do a basic for people who don't know anything. And people who are against the rosary, you might find in this podcast that you didn't really even know what the rosary was. So we're going to talk a little bit about it. How do you pray the rosary? What is a rosary? So a rosary, I'm sure you've seen it somewhere along the line. It's like a, a string of beads. And one thing I love about being Catholic is Catholics have always understood that we can't really separate body, mind, and spirit. I think sometimes we like to separate like, oh, that's spiritual stuff and prayer, but that has nothing to do with my body. So my body doesn't really matter. But we know that we can't really separate these things. Right. We're a whole person. Mm -hmm. And so our body is very connected to our spirit. Right. Very connected to our mind. Right. So very often as Catholics, we pray with our bodies. So if you see in mass, there's a lot of uh, standing and kneeling and sitting and maybe arms kind of outstretched. If you if you look at a statue of Mary, her arms are usually outstretched, and that's kind of just a way of the body showing that, you know, I'm open to your will. I, I receive what you have for me, God. And right. I mean, you'll see people of all different religions all around the world praying in different ways, mm-hmm. and it might seem a little funny. How come they're kneeling? How come they're standing? How come their arms are up? How come mm-hmm. all these different things? And the idea is that our bodies are connected to our minds and spirit. Mm-hmm. When we use our bodies to pray, it's going to make it a whole lot easier for our minds and our spirits to enter into prayer because we're doing it with our body as well. Right. I mean, if you're if you're trying to pray and you just have like your arms folded and a scowl on your face. I mean, that might be, your body might not know, hey, I'm, it's prayer time. <laughs> right, right. I don't know. There's just different ways that our body kind of launches us into prayer because we are connected, our, but we are body, mind, and spirit. So the rosary, you're holding these beads. And every time I pick up that bead, I think I did a podcast, I did a podcast on this before, of the brain and what fires together, wires together in the brain. So over time, you're picking up these beads and it's just another way to focus me back in prayer. My my fingers are feeling these beads in my hand, and my and that's kind of sending signals to my brain that we are that I'm in prayer. Right. And Catholics will make the sign of the cross when they go into prayer. Why are they doing that? Well, we're telling our body it's time to pray. We're telling our mind it's time to pray. We're doing a physical symbol that represents us praying. Right. The physical is so important. It's not just the spiritual. So we have these beads that we're holding, and as as we hold them, it's just another way to bring us back to prayer because we can get so easily distracted. And I feel these beads in my hand, and I'm remembering. Okay. I'm I'm in prayer. And when my mind wanders, it's just another way to pull me back to prayer. So the rosary, we start with just saying the creed of what we believe. Just And, it, and every day when I, I, I pray the rosary every morning and I'm brought back to, I believe in God. I believe in his son, Jesus. I believe he was born of the Virgin Mary. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I, you know, all these things that you believe in, just, just a reminder. And, and I don't force my kids to pray the rosary with us all the time because I don't want them to hate it, but they always hear me saying it. And every day they're hearing a reminder of what we believe in. And so then we pray the Our Father, which is the prayer that Jesus gave us. So it's, so the rosary is actually very scriptural. It's just a way to meditate on the scripture. So there are beliefs that Catholics don't know the Bible, but the rosary is all scripture pretty much. So we say the Our Father, it's just how Jesus taught us to pray. And then the Hail Mary that's, again, scripture. So the Hail Mary is Hail Mary, full of grace. So this is kind of reciting from the Gospels of the angel coming, Hail, Hail favored one, or Hail full of grace. I think a Catholic translations go back to uh, full of grace. Right, right. So, right, Hail Mary, full of grace is the angel Gabriel greeting Mary. Mm-hmm. The Lord is with thee. Um, and then 
you go down in Luke a little bit more when Mary goes to Elizabeth and she says, blessed art thou amongst women or blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. So we're just saying scripture. Right. So then that was, that was Elizabeth's greeting to Mary. Mm -hmm. Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Right. So we're kind of greeting her as, as the angel greeted her and as Elizabeth greeted her. Exactly. So hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. And then we say, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of mm-hmm. our death. So that's asking her for her prayer. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's about as simple as it is. Right. So then the question, why are we doing this over and over and over again? Because we do the opening prayers and then we go into five decades of the rosary, which is one Our Father followed by 10 Hail Marys. Mm-hmm. And so why are we saying the same thing over and over again? And that's a really neat explanation too. So... The rosary isn't just a whole bunch of spoken prayers. It's actually a meditation prayer. And so each one of those decades, the five decades, you're meditating on a different part of Jesus's life. Right. So the way that Catholics do it is on Saturdays and Mondays, we focus on the joyful mysteries of of Jesus's life. So we go through the Annunciation when Jesus was conceived in Mary's womb, when the angel appeared. And we just, as we're praying these, these Hail Marys, we're thinking about when the angel appeared, when, when Mary, when, when the Savior of the world was conceived in her womb. And then we go to the second joyful mystery, when Mary goes to Elizabeth and the infant leapt in her womb when, he met, when she met Elizabeth, who was pregnant with John the Baptist. And then the third joyful mystery, which is my favorite of all times, the birth of Jesus. And as you're saying these Hail Marys, you're focusing your mind on the birth of Jesus. And then we go into the presentation in, uh, to the temple when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus. And, and finally, um, Anna and Simeon, who have been waiting to see the Messiah, laid eyes on the Messiah. And then the fifth joyful mystery, which is the finding of the child Jesus when Mary and Joseph were looking everywhere for Jesus and he was in his father's house and they were amazed at his preaching at 12 years old. Right. So right. that's Saturdays and Mondays. Pete, why don't you, you want to do the sorrowful? So I'm not the only one talking. <laughs> right. So there's, yeah, there's four different kinds of rosaries that you can pray. And that there, that just means there's four different sets of meditations that you're doing. So there's, they call them the sorrowful mysteries. And that's when we're now meditating upon the passion and death of Jesus. So it starts in the garden of Gethsemane and Jesus praying there into um, the scourging at the pillar where Jesus is whipped into the crowning with thorns, followed by Jesus carrying the cross on the road to Calvary, and then followed by Jesus dying on the cross. So the entire prayer then is a meditation of Jesus's suffering and death. Right. And that's going to happen a couple times a week. Generally, all Catholics are going to pray the same mysteries on the same day. And you get this, again, we're all a family and we're all, we're all unified in our prayers. Right. So, so when we're all praying these rosaries, we're all focusing these days on the joyful mysteries. These, we don't want to forget about, about the, Jesus's life in the gospels. So then we have Sundays and Wednesdays, which are the glorious mysteries, which are all these, um, all the glorious things in Jesus's life. So the, um, the resurrection, the ascension, the descent of the Holy Spirit, the, um, oh, this is hard to explain, the assumption of Mary, we believe that she was brought into heaven, and then her coronation, which is in the book of Revelation. It, the assumption and the coronation come from um, Revelation, right. coronation of Mary, when she was crowned queen of heaven and mother of us all. Right. And then we have the, the luminous, luminous mysteries, yes. which were instituted by 
uh, Pope John Paul II, and those are going to be the baptism of Jesus in the Jordan, followed by the wedding feast at Cana, where Jesus turns water into wine, and then it's the preaching of the kingdom, the Beatitudes, and then the transfiguration, and then uh, the Last Supper. So we're meditating on all of those. So it's this whole host of different, all the, the very key moments that happened in the Gospels, and we're spending a lot of time in prayer on them. And while we're doing it, there's this rhythm, this repetition, where we're just, we're continuing to pray, and we're holding the beads, and we're saying the prayers, and then we're entering in, in our minds into a deeper, deeper level of meditation, thinking about the life of Jesus, the life and death of Jesus. Right. And the beautiful thing about the rosary is you, it takes about maybe 30 minutes, 25 to 30 minutes, and you get about a 30-minute retreat in the day, even from yourself, even from your own thoughts. Like, I mean, and your mind's going to wander, but you keep going back and focusing on Jesus. And Pete and I are very big on vulnerability in prayer, and that's really important to really just be yourself in prayer and tell God your your needs, tell Him your your problems, but so often our minds are so focused on ourselves. And, and so often we are stuck in wrongful thinking habits. We're not even, we're thinking a lot of things that just aren't true and our minds can get away from us. They can be kind of seeped in anxiety or depression. And, and for 30 minutes, you get to come away out of that and you focus on the life of Jesus. And it is just a, a nice peaceful break. Right. I love it for that reason. People who pray a lot probably understand there's a couple different directions you can go in prayer. And one of them is I'm praying all about my needs or or really seeking help and, and understanding about my life. But then there's a completely different angle, which is we go enter into something bigger and greater than us. So we're stepping out of our life. And that's what meditating upon um, scripture, in this case, meditating upon the life of Jesus through the rosary, that we're getting outside of ourselves. And I love that. I mean, my mind is so busy all the time. And I'm always thinking about problems that I'm trying to solve and things that are going on. And I just need a break from that. Mm-hmm. I need to step into something that's bigger than me. Mm-hmm. And then Christians believe that when we're meditating upon upon things like scripture and Jesus and his life, that there's all of these incredible lessons that we learn through it. Uh, that are revealed in grace and prayer. And that has totally been my experience that Mm -hmm. when I'm thinking about the life of Jesus, there's these truths about, about life and understanding that I then understand and they come to me and it's like, wow, I'm I'm learning so much about life um, by meditating on something that's bigger than me and better than me and truer than me and, and, and lasts longer than me. And right. Right. So, and, and we start the day, I pray the rosary first thing. I have a cup of coffee and then I pray the rosary first thing in the morning. And it's a great way to start the day that it's not just about me. It's a great way to start the day. Wow, Jesus, you went through this for me. Wow. This all happened for, for our salvation and for us to, it's a a reminder of how to live. Like, right. And even while it's, while it's more than me, I'm stepping away from my own life. It's also deeply personal, which is really neat. So I've always had a vivid imagination. And so when I'm praying the mysteries, I like to enter into them in a very personal way. So we talked about like Jesus walking the road to of Calvary, carrying the cross. And I like to imagine myself being Simon of Cyrene. Like yeah. I'm in the meditation, I'm taking part of it. Or, you know, Jesus has turned the water into wine. And I'm, I'm imagining myself being one of the the helpers there, uh, pouring the water into the big jars that's going to become 
the the wine and I'm I'm present as the miracle happens. It's not like I'm just thinking about these from a far away point of view. I'm actually in them. I'm being a part of it and it can become deeply personal then. Right. And we have just found so much grace to be released in the rosary. There's just been areas in my life that I couldn't conquer on my own. And then in praying the rosary, just finding so much progress in them. Like sometimes uh, when I was gardening, I might my mind might wander and I started to kind of when I would garden, I would start to think about maybe people that hurt me or things, just just negative things. And then I would just start praying the rosary instead of those things. And it kind of rewired my brain to, to not focus on those negative things, but to have something to come back to, um, to get out of myself and to... Um, you know, focus on good things. Yeah. As Catholic Christians, it becomes this really amazing tool mm-hmm. to live a better life and to have a more graceful life. Right. And the prayers are so rich. Like we kind of talked about uh, the Hail Mary and the mysteries, but even, even the, our father things every day, you're praying multiple times, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. I mean, these things are just and I, I, this is something that's important to me. We're really big about clean eating, but it's not, if you want to be whole and you want to be healthy, it's not just about the food you put into your body, but the thoughts that you put into your body and the, the unforgiveness and the bitterness. And if you can have something, some kind of tool to pull you out of that, like we believe the rosary is, it is just, it's so freeing. It, it cleans up your mind. It really does. Yeah. Those prayers can be so powerful and you say, pray the, our father and as an example, you can stop right there. Our Father. There's so much just in those two words. We say, if God's out there and he's our Father, not just my Father, but our Father, the implications of that are vast. Mm -hmm. If he's everyone's Father, then I should really be treating everyone really, really well because, Mm -hmm. because he loves them as much as he loves me. If God loves every other person out there as much as God loves me because he's their father too, then I get to start interacting with everyone in life as if they're part of my family. Right, right. That's just the first two words. (laughs) It keeps going from there. So all the crazy homesteading things that Pete and I do and all the the things, the promptings that we feel like the Holy Spirit moves on our life to do, this all comes from prayer. And it makes our life so much more exciting too and peaceful to have the, and it's just. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. This is very defining for our homestead is that mm-hmm. it's a, you know, we want to, we want to go towards healthy and we want to go towards sustainable and regenerative and these things that we feel like our culture is just careening in the opposite direction. But, but healthy and sustainable and regenerative, that means in our spirits as well. Right, right. So we pray for all of our listeners, and we're so thankful for everyone for, for listening and being a part of this journey that we're on. <laughs> and right. if, if anyone feels kind of a prompting to pray the rosary, we just really encourage you. And if you don't feel a prompting to pray the rosary, just know that it's, uh, when you think of Catholics, it is a way that they are trying to meditate on scripture and keep their minds on scripture. and Right. So. Right. So yeah, you don't have to be Catholic to pray the rosary. That's for sure. Um, and now you might understand it a little better than you did before. Yeah. So thank you. And thank you to everyone who reaches out to us and is praying for us and know that we are praying for you all too. Yep. Have a great day, everyone. Bye.